Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And turn with me to the book of Revelation, the old or the New Testament book of Revelation and Revelation in chapter number six, Revelation in chapter number six. We are now still in the beginning of our series of the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. And what we're doing during this series is that we're just walking through and exploring this subject that the Bible speaks so much of. Remember that there are more passages dedicated to the millennial kingdom than any other subject in the word of God except for the tabernacle and temple. And that because God places a great emphasis on the thousand year reign of Christ, that we as Christians should know about it ourselves and as we're preparing for the millennial kingdom we have to explain the timeline of what happens before the millennial kingdom what is setting it up just to put the millennial kingdom into its context and so what we're going to hit today is more of the timeline of the tribulation the tribulation is a seven-year period in between the calling away the rapture of God's people and the coming of Jesus Christ bodily, physically, literally here on this earth to establish his kingdom. And so in order to start this off, if you don't mind, let's take your copy of the word of God and let's look in the book of Revelation in chapter number six. The book of Revelation in chapter six, notice with, if you don't mind, in Revelation chapter six and notice with me starting at verse number one, Revelation chapter six and verse one. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and the power was given to him that satteth to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see that thou hurt not the oil and wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come. Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. To kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. 
And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Until their fellow servants also and their brethren that they should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell Unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the king of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who should be able to stand? And if you have to mark things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation chapter 6. And notice with me in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16. Notice the phrase, the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of of the Lamb. And with the Lord's help, we're going to go through this right now, speaking about the timeline of the tribulation, which is also called the time of Jacob's trouble. It is also called the wrath of the Lamb. If you don't mind, let's go through and let's explore this time here. But before we do, let's go and talk to the Lord together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we talk such a detailed subject, I'm asking that you would help me to be able to summarize this as clearly as possible. We don't have time to hit the nuts and bolts and to be able to dive into every thing that is being discussed, everything that is occurring. But help me with your Holy Spirit's help to be able to get across the, the theme, the idea of what is occurring and hit some of the highlights, some of the mountain peaks through this period here that we could see that you have things all lined up and there is a purpose for this period. And we do love you. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we come to this period of the tribulation, we want to go ahead and start things in order. And so the first thing we're going to hit is what happens before the tribulation. So before the tribulation starts, what are the events that lead up to the tribulation as we know it? If you don't mind, the very first thing that happens is what is called the rapture. Now, we spent some time on Sunday morning explaining the rapture, that the word rapture carries the idea of calling away, and that we understand that the Second coming of Jesus Christ comes into two phases. The first phase is that he comes in the clouds. And the second phase, he comes visibly. We see that outline in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. But we took time to explain the rapture and explain why this is called our blessed hope. But what occurs during this period is that everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. What does that mean? Well, they come to the place where they realize that they are a sinner. And by the way, dear friend, 
friend, all of us are sinners. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For example, I am a pastor of a church, but I've told lies. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand, right? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. We've all told lies. The Bible goes on. It explains that to as part of the Ten Commandments, that we are to honor thy father and thy mother. Well, even though I'm a pastor of a New Testament church, I have disobeyed my folks. How many of you ever disobeyed your folks before? And those that had kids in there are looking to make sure that their kids have raised their hand. Why? Because we've all sinned. We've all broken God's law. So the Bible explains that, first of all, we must recognize that we are sinners, that we have broken God's law. The Bible goes on to explain that for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that because we've sinned against God, that we deserve to be separated from a holy, righteous God for all eternity. And unfortunately, when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. Do you know that God never created hell for a single human to go there? He created hell to punish Satan and his demons. However, man goes there by default because we deserve to be separated from God because of our sin. You say, well, that's not good news. I understand. But let me tell you what the good news is. The good news is, is that God didn't want to see a single person go to that awful place called hell. So what he did is that he robed himself in flesh as the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. And then he died to pay the price that you and I owed God. And then on the third day, he rose again to prove that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made. Now, all that is left, dear friend, is that we must personally accept that free gift that Jesus offered us. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in order to have your sins forgiven, you have to recognize this is what Christ has done for us, that we are sinners. And because of our sin, we owe God a great price. But Jesus paid that price for us on the cross of Calvary. And he offers forgiveness to us as a free gift if we would be willing to accept him. And remember, when we accept him, a prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. You are just giving him permission. You are just allowing Jesus to do what he promised and wants to do for you. And that's to forgive you of all of your sins. Well, when it comes time to the place of rapture, that the Bible says that at this calling away, that it says at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall arise first. Then us that are alive and remain shall meet them together up in the air. The Bible explains that this time frame is one one thousandth of a second. The twinkling of an eye, that's pretty quick. And so there will be no preparation. By the way, for in order for the rapture to happen, there are no more signs, there are no more wonders, there's no more... Uh, prophecies that need to be fulfilled. There's no more planetary alignments. There is nothing to stop the imminent return of Jesus Christ. There is nothing to stop the rapture. In fact, the rapture might even happen before we're done with this service. And some of you say, even so, Lord, come quickly. But the Bible says the rapture could come at any moment. And when it happens, 
everyone who's ever accepted Jesus as their Savior will be called away. And at that moment, millions of people will be disappeared in one one thousandth of a second. You know, you won't even see them go. They won't even have a slow ride up to heaven. They'll just be, once be there and then be gone. And if you can imagine in your mind's eye what kind of turmoil this would cause the world. In fact, the airlines believe so much in the rapture, at least safety precautions, that most airlines have a rule that two Christians cannot pilot the same plane. The reason is, is because if both pilots are Christians and the rapture happens, nobody's driving the plane. That would be a problem. But if you could imagine that in a twinkling of an eye, one one thousandth of a second, that all of a sudden, everyone who's accepted Jesus worldwide would be gone instantly. People have to explain that. Where did they go? What happened to them? Can we track them? Can we find them? Where are they at? Was it the Russians? Was it the Americans? Who did this? Can you imagine all the traffic jams as people driving a car and all of a sudden nobody's driving the car? Hope you're not the passenger at that time. People would be disappearing. You could be in a conversation with someone in the grocery store and they'd be gone and you'd be left behind. And this is going to cause a lot of turmoil for the world. By the way, let me take the time here that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, do not wait. If you do not know for sure that your sins are forgiven, then do not wait. Get that settled and get that settled tonight. You understand the Bible is very clear on this, that you must be born again. If you say, I don't know what it means to be born again, then do us a favor. It would be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that you've been born again. Jesus said, verily, verily, you must be born again. And we don't want people to doubt. We don't want people to hope or think or guess. But we want you to know for sure from the Bible that heaven is your home. And we would love to take the time to show you that. But after the rapture comes some more events. According to the Bible and my personal belief. I will tell you that up front. This is my personal belief. That immediately following the rapture will be the destruction of America. We understand that America is not found in prophecy. There is nowhere where you'll find USA or America. But I do believe in Jeremiah 50 and 51 that it describes a country and that there's only one country in all of history that this fits the description of. And by the way, the Bible says that this country will be destroyed by arrows that are bright. It explains that it will be destroyed by a destroying wind and with the heat and that the judgment will reach up to the sky. And what's even scarier, the Bible describes that whatever country this is, it will be three times it says it will be destroyed in one hour. In one hour. I take time and preach an extended message on this. It's called Babylon Destroyed if you want to look in our archives and search that up. But uh, we're not going to take time here. But this follows suit that right after the rapture, when you have millions of people disappearing, there's going to be a lot of people panicking. And remember, this is in our future. There's such a thing called buttons and nuclear bombs. And if you can imagine our Russian friends, that all of a sudden millions of Russians will come up disappearing. They got to blame someone and someone's going to itchy trigger finger and they're going to push buttons. 
And according to the Bible, from my personal belief, that the United States will be wiped off the map immediately after the rapture, after someone panics. And again, I have a whole message on that. You can explore that later. But as we progress on, we're still talking about before the tribulation. So the tribulation has not started yet. You have the rapture where millions of people disappear in a twinkling of an eye, that people are going to push buttons, whether that is America, that is my personal opinion. But without a doubt, there are going to be some people who are going to be causing havoc, trying to figure out what happened, a lot of blaming, a lot of political mess. And it's during this time that the Antichrist will rise to power. The Bible uh, speaks that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the rapture happens. The Bible describes that the Antichrist is going to be from European descent. And he is going to rise up to prominence in that Western world. And he's going to rise up and help solve the problems. What kind of problems can he solve? Well, he could solve homelessness. After all, there are millions of people who no longer have a house or they're no longer owning a house. Why not take all the homeless people and put them in empty houses? He's going to solve transportation problems. Hey, after all, you have millions of people that didn't have cars, but look at all these cars that are left over. Let's give it to them. Hey, wouldn't he look like a hero when he comes up with that idea and he organizes that efforts? And so he's going to be deemed as a great man of peace. He is not a man of peace, but he's going to be perceived as a great man of peace because he's going to help solve the world problems. In addition to his brilliant ideas, here's a plausible, once again, this is my belief. But when you come to having millions of people disappeared... And you reject the Bible, you got to come up with a different explanation. What happened to all those millions of people? Well, why not blame aliens, right? You have aliens who are beaming people out and they're gone. We're, we got to make sure that we track the people. So how about this? We put an RDIF chip inside of your hand. And in this chip, it has your name your social, your bank account, your information. It has it right there and a GPS tracking device. So no matter where you go, if you disappear, if there's another disappearing of millions of people, we know where you're at and we could do a rescue. Even if it's on Mars, we could try to find where you're at. This is one of the reasons why our society has so much about aliens, a conspiracy about aliens. It is a preparation for a good excuse and don't you think that there's going to be a lot of scared people that said, I'd be glad for you to put a tracking chip in my hand so that way you know where I'm at. I don't want to disappear like everyone else. And once again, the Antichrist is going to seem like a great, great man of peace. He's going to seem like a great world leader, someone to solve everyone's problems. Well, he's not going to be able to solve everyone's problems because after that, you're going to have what is called the Battle of Gog and Magog. The identification of Gog and Magog in the Bible would be what we would call Russia and the Muslim world. Now, we understand that one of the things that the Antichrist is going to establish in order to have a firm rule is that he is going to establish a one world government and a one world religion. And once again, we already have the preparatory for all of this now that there is a lot of big emphasis to have a world government. That's why the UN is pushed so hard that we want to have one government ruling us up instead of having these individual countries. In addition, they want to have a one world religion where 
Isn't it a common saying that people said all of the problems of history come from religion? Look at the Crusades, the Inquisition, these wars over here. And so they blame religion. And by the way, religion is a blame for a lot of it. Not biblical Christianity, but religion has caused a lot of problems. But they want to say if everyone believed the same thing, then we would have no problems to fight. And so even today, we could have Roman Catholics that are joining up with the Dalai Lama. You could have the Mormons that are getting along uh, with other people. And if you look at all of history, there are only two groups of religions today that would be opposed to a world, one world religion. And that would be born-again, Bible-believing Christians. They are absolutely against all the religions getting together. That we believe that doctrine does divide. And if we stick with the Bible, that there are some people who are going to disagree. But the, in the tribulation, all of the born-again Bible believers are gone. And so you don't have that group to worry about. The only other world religion that would oppose a one world religion would be the Muslims. The Muslims refuse to recognize that there is any other religion. There is only one God and that is Allah and Muhammad is his prophet is what they continue to say. Well, what is going to happen in the Bible according to prophecy is that the Russians and the Muslim world will get together and they are going to try to attack Israel. If you understand world politics, there is only one country that protects Israel and that is our country. And if America is destroyed, guess what? They are going to try to take their chance to destroy Jerusalem while there is nobody to defend it. And so the Russians and the Muslim world will get together and they will begin to attack the Antichrist and Jerusalem. And won't you know an amazing thing happens? That just as the planes are approaching Jerusalem, as the tanks are moving up to it, as the people in Jerusalem are fearing, there's no way we can get out of this. God snaps his finger and they're all wiped out. That God defends Jerusalem, but at the same time, God fights for the Antichrist during this time. And he defends defeats the enemies of the Antichrist and the Jewish people all at once. Now the Antichrist has a stage set up that he could put a one world religion because born again Christians are not there to oppose them and the Muslims are not allowed to oppose them. So now they have a one world religion and a one world government that begins to be set up. So then what happens is that the Antichrist will make a peace agreement with the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. The Jewish people cannot worship God as they believe they should because they do not have the temple. That without the temple, they cannot honor their Jewish orthodoxy the way that they should. They cannot do the black blood sacrifices. The only place they could do a blood sacrifice is at the temple. They can't do it at the synagogue. Synagogues are teaching centers, not for the place. So they, the big hope for the Jewish people for thousands of years is for the temple to be rebuilt. Well, if you're familiar with politics and geography, that the reason why they cannot rebuild their temple is because an important Muslim shrine sits there called the Dome of the Rock. Well, once again, the Muslims are gone. Who's going to oppose if they tear down the Dome of the Rock 
and they rebuild the temple. And this is a key event because at the moment that the Antichrist and the Jewish people make this peace agreement, this is where the clock starts. This is the official start of the tribulation. Now, so what we're talking about is that there is a little bit of a gap in between the rapture and the official start of the tribulation. We do not know how long it is. We imagine that it's not too long. But there is a gap between the disappearing of millions of people through the rapture, the calling away, to finally we get to the peace agreement with the Antichrist and the Jewish people to start rebuilding the temple. And once that agreement is set, once they agree to it, the tribulation now begins. Which brings us now to our second idea here. We want to discuss the first half of the tribulation. The tribulation could be broken up into three different parts. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take these different parts and we're going to break them apart and try to examine them in a survey way. Again, I've only got to point one and I've already burnt up a lot of time. As I told you, this is going to be a pretty in-depth summary of what is happening. But first of all, if you don't mind, let's see what happens in the first half of the tribulation. The first thing that happens after the peace agreement is signed with the Antichrist and the Jewish people is what is called the seal judgments. The seal judgments. And this is what we read in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6 where we just read, we see the four horses. Often that is called the four horses of the apocalypse. And these are pictures of a literal events that what is going to happen is that one by one these horses these seals are going to be open and what's going to happen is that it starts off with the antichrist starting to be revealed and the first horse the second horse goes out and the antichrist is going to go out with power and he is going to take peace from the earth. So remember what I said that many people are going to see him as a great man of peace. He is not. He is going to take peace of the earth because he's going to be conquering the world and trying to bring it back to his one world religion and one world government. After that comes another beast which is going to be famine. And in this time of famine it's going to be a place where the economy drops all of a sudden. And if you don't mind notice how bad it gets. It says... In verse number six, I heard the voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see that thou hurt not the oil and wine. What it's talking about is the price of bread. Even today we judge how well everything is going by the price of bread. And so if you say, hey, I could get a loaf of bread for a penny, that's great. Well, let's define some terms. The word penny carries the idea of a day's wage. And then it doesn't say that you could buy bread, but what it says is that you buy the ingredients. One ingredient to make bread is going to cost you a day's wage. So is that a good economy or bad economy? Things are getting pretty bad. And so people are going to start starving under this this famine that hits and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to starve and then the next horse comes and death and hell follow after them and what occurs is that one-fourth of the population will die because of war 
because of pestilence, because of famine. If you could just let me play with numbers right now. We have about 7 billion people in this earth right now. For numbers sake, let's say the rapture happens. And what occurs is 1 billion people disappear. We're down to 6 billion people left on the earth. Again, just for numbers sake. If during the time, at the very beginning of the tribulation, maybe a little bit before with America being destroyed and all of this, one-fourth of the population die, that means within the first couple years of the tribulation, 1.5 billion people will die. That's pretty bad, isn't it? And that's just to start off with. And so this is the first part, and this is just the first set of judgments, which is called the seal judgments. It gets so bad that at the very end of it, notice with me in Revelation chapter 6, and notice with me in verse 14. Revelation 6 and verse 14, at verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth as a fig casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, I don't know how many of you have been around a farm, but usually people aren't afraid of a lamb. That's probably the one creature you're not afraid of. But here, when they say, save us from the wrath of the lamb, they know exactly who they are talking about. They are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see how hard hearts will be during this time, that even though they recognize that it is the Lord Jesus Christ that is causing all this destruction, they go to the caves and they go to the mountains and they say, mountains fall on us that we could die so we don't have to suffer through the wrath of the Lamb anymore. You see, instead of them getting saved, they are still full of rebellion and they refuse to even submit to the Lord during this time, which is one of the hallmarks of the tribulation, that the tribulation is not for the Gentile world. It is going to be primarily to bring the Jewish people back to himself, and we'll cover that here in a second. After the seal judgments comes what is called the, the trumpet judgments. And we see that in the book of Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 9. And what happens is that the angels come and they blow a trumpet. And even harsher judgments fall upon the world. And you can see millions more, billions more are dying during this time. So much that the grass is being burned. Let's see some of this destruction. Notice with me if you don't mind. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 1. Revelation 8 and verse 1. 
And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven in about the space of a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and they were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, which was given to him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees were burnt up and all the green grass was burnt up. Could you imagine what a picture that would be to have one third of the trees burnt up, to have all the grass burnt up? Notice verse 9. And the third part of the creatures that were in the sea that had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And it goes on and explains. And it gets worse and worse. And in chapter 8 and chapter 9, we go through the sealed judgments, which once again, this is all happening in the first half of the tribulation so tribulation seven years half of it would be three and a half years in the first three and a half years there's a lot of death and a lot of destruction that is occurring now why is all of this happening well all of this is happening because god is trying to bring the jewish people Back to himself. Now many Gentiles will get saved. But that's not God's primary thrust. His primary thrust thrust is for the Gentile. For the Jewish people to get saved. In the book of Revelation. It goes through and explains. That 144,000 Jewish people. I'm sorry to say that our friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses are incorrect. They try to teach people that there's 144,000 people that are going to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. It says there's going to be 144,000 Jewish people who get saved. And they are going to go to every corner of the earth. To every nation. To every tribe. To every tongue. And witness to them about Jesus Christ. And what an amazing time of revival that would be. As these people are going out and witnessing to who they can. At the same time, for the space of three and a half years, there are two witnesses who are standing in the, in the streets of Jerusalem. And these two witnesses have the power over the earth. They have the power over water. They have the power to turn water into blood. They have the power to bring the plagues just like Moses did in Egypt's day. And so anytime someone would come to make them stop preaching... They would send plagues upon those people. And for three and a half years they are preaching. And everyone hates them. Everyone wants them to stop. Everyone wants them to stop. And for three and a half years everyone knows about these preachers. Three and a half years into it. Finally God allows someone to shoot. To get a hold of these witnesses. And they are killed. They are slain in the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible shows that these two witnesses, when they are killed, 
that the whole world celebrates. Now remember, this is still in our future, so they're going to have such thing as CNN. Probably CNN will be existence in its whole after the rapture. CNBC and all the rest of them will be there. Maybe even Fox News, they'll have people there. Whatever, they'll be there. And they'll have their video cameras. And they'll be seeing the, th- these two witnesses and they'll be giving an explanation that this is day one and their bodies are still laying there and we are glad they're gone and what happens is that people just like Christmas begin to send presents out to each other because the preachers are gone our problems will be better our world will be better our problems will be solved because the preachers are gone and throughout the Bible you see the same idea that whenever things go wrong you blame the preacher And so they blame the preachers. And they're having a worldwide Christmas party. They are passing out gifts. They are celebrating. That is until the third day. When the news cameras are watching. And those bodies that have been left there for three days. Rise up. And get life again. Wouldn't that be a scary thing? And then to make things worse. To watch those two men. Ascend up to heaven. And the video cameras are watching. And everyone's shocked. And then God speaks from heaven. And everybody knows this was from God. And many people are frightened. Many people are scared. Many people don't know what's going on. And that now leads us to the midpoint of the tribulation. The midpoint of the tribulation. That when these two witnesses die and they are, are risen again, this begins the midpoint of the tribulation where there's quite a few things going on in this midpoint. Now, one of the first things we want to see is that looking up to heaven, there is a war in heaven. Now, even though Satan knows scripture, he is still egotistical and prideful enough that he believes he can still beat God. And so one last time, the book of Revelation chapter 12 describes to us, he goes up and has a great battle in heaven trying to overthrow God. Well, you can imagine how that's going to turn out. And he gets kicked out of heaven for the final time. And Satan is not happy. And so he wants to thwart God's plan. So after the war in heaven, what happens is that Satan wants to have a miracle of his own. And so the Antichrist has been a human who has been risen up for such a time as that. What happens after the two witnesses are killed and rose again, that many people are starting to say, wait a second, maybe this God thing is kind of real. So Satan does not want people thinking that way. He still wants to control the people. But Satan is limited on his miracles. Satan cannot raise people from the dead. He cannot, he cannot, he cannot. But he is a good imitator. So what he does is he kills the Antichrist, the human. Then what he does in order to mimic the resurrection, he inhabits the body of the Antichrist and makes it look like the Antichrist was resurrected. This is going to fool a lot of people, especially now that this body, this resurrected body, has a lot of cool powers. Or at least that's what people will think. And he's able to do a lot of magic tricks, a lot of spiritual witchcraft type thing. And he's going to be able to draw people back to himself. 
Satan is, and say, look at me, look at how powerful I am the only God you should follow. Now, it is at this time that the, the temple that the Jewish people have been rebuilding is finally rebuilt. And it is at this time, it is now time for commencement, to cut the ribbon. And so what the Antichrist does, now that he, or not the Antichrist, Satan inhabiting the Antichrist's body, he does, he begins to put edicts. One of these edicts is to mark people with the mark of the beast. Remember what I said before about the RDAF chips? All this time beforehand, it was optional. Now, it is no longer optional. Now, you must have this chip inside of your hand. Or if you're really proud about it, you can put it in your forehead. But no one could buy or sell anything unless you have this chip. And so people are going to have to make a choice. Do I starve or do I get this chip? Because how it's going to work is that at Walmart, you don't have a credit card no more. You have all that information on that chip. So you go buy groceries and then you rub your hand over it and it automatically takes it from your account. Now, before you start saying this is science fiction, they have it today. They have people that could go to a grocery store and rub the chip on their hand. They have a company here in Wisconsin that is the first company to authorize it for its employees and the, the automatic doors open for you because it senses the chip. They already have it in Florida for the rich girls because when they go party in Florida and they don't want to carry a purse, they got to carry it somewhere. And so they could go to a club and it automatically... People already have this in play and in function. That's why we definitely could say Jesus is coming anytime because the technology is already here. And we don't know Jesus could come in another hundred years, but we're just saying it's already here. The technology, all that stuff... There's nothing that needs to be set up for it. But the mark of the beast is going to be now mandatory. And what's going to happen, there's going to be a lot of people that start scratching their head and say, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. After this comes one of the most important events of all of Bible history. So much that this event is repeated and declared and pointed out throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. And this is what is called the abomination of of desolation. Then what happens is the Antichrist now goes to the commencement, the opening, the grand opening of the brand new temple. Then the Antichrist sits down in the temple and he declares himself to be God. It is at this point that the Jewish people realize that this was not their Messiah after all. And in droves, the Jewish people will be brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They will acknowledge that Jesus Christ was their Messiah in the first place. Now remember, the whole point of the tribulation was to bring the Jewish people to a saving knowledge of God, of Jesus, to have their sins forgiven. And this is the straw that breaks the back. This is where they all say, oops, We needed Jesus, not this Antichrist. This is an important event that the Bible highlights this over and over and over. That when the Antichrist sits down and he declares himself to be God, this is where everything now changes. And this is at the midpoint of the tribulation. Which now brings us to the end of it. The, as the Antichrist sits on here, there's going to be a war against Israel and the believers that what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to be so upset 
that the Jewish people didn't recognize him as God. That he's going to order that the Jewish people be killed. And the Bible says that there has never been a time in history where the Jewish people are going to be so persecuted. Now that's pretty amazing because you could look through history and see some bad persecution. You could go back to the 1240s when they had the great plague that wiped out one third of the population of Europe. And guess who was to blame there? The Jewish people. And the people tried to kill as many Jewish people because they thought they were poisoning the water. You go to the Holocaust where Adolf Hitler and the Nazis killed 6 million Jewish people. And the horrible consecration camps in Auschwitz burning their bodies and all the horrible things. And yet the Bible says that the persecution the Jewish will face under the Antichrist will be will be more than any other time in history. So if you can imagine how bad the Holocaust is, this is going to be much worse. In addition, God, or the Antichrist, is going to declare war on anyone who helps the Jewish people. Now, who's going to help the Jewish people? Well, people who got saved during the tribulation. And there's going to be many people who got saved. And they're going to help hide the Jewish people. And the Jewish people are going to flee from Jerusalem. They're going to hide in the caves of Edom. By the way, as a gee whiz information, that the caves of Edom, where Petra, you guys remember uh, Indiana Jones, when, and they had the, um, the uh, Petra, which is the city inside of the rocks, that exist. And that's where the Jewish people are going to go hide from. Interesting enough, somebody read the Bible and they went and hid a lot of Bibles in Ziploc bags so when the Jewish people go there, they could read their Bibles. But it's an interesting note, because of all the minerals inside of the rocks there, that satellites cannot get a clear picture inside of that area. Well, isn't that a wonderful place to hide in future technology? Absolutely. And so what's going to happen is that the, the Jewish people are going to flee. The Antichrist is going to declare war and things are now going to get worse. Now we come to the second half of the tribulation. We're now coming to the last three and a half years. We're finishing this up. What's going to occur now? Well, after this, we've already had the seal judgments. We had the trumpet judgments now comes the bowl judgments. These are special, horrible judgments that God pours upon the earth at this time. Especially because his people, Jerusalem, uh, Jewish people, <coughs> the Hebrew people are going to be in such a persecution that God is going to bring destruction upon the world in retaliation of this. And he is not going to be happy at all. And he pours out the destruction. After this comes the destruction of the harlot Babylon. What is the harlot Babylon? Well, remember the false one world religion that the Antichrist set up? This is considered the harlot Babylon. And Antichrist, who is Satan robed in flesh... He does not want to share worship with anyone. And so after the one world religion has served his purpose, he's going to turn around and kill the one world religion and then demand that all the earth worship him. Remember, this is what Satan wants in the first place. Ever since he fell from heaven and to the Garden of Eden, he always wanted people to worship him and not God. And so now he's on earth and he declares and demands that everyone worships him and so he kills the one world religion after that comes the battle of 
Armageddon. That what Satan does is he masses up all of the military, all of the forces of the entire world and brings them to the valley of Megiddo. The Valley of Megiddo, which we is commonly called Armageddon, according to Napoleon, said that this is the most perfect battlefield in all of the earth. Napoleon would know he was a master tactician. And Satan is going to amass all of these forces for two purposes. The first purpose is to kill all the Jewish people. The second one is to declare war on God. And so he amasses all of these forces in this final battle. However, it is at that time that Jesus Christ comes back from heaven. And guess what? If you are saved and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, we're coming with him. Notice with me in the book of Revelation chapter 19. The book of Revelation chapter 19. And if you don't mind, let's see this. Revelation 19. And notice with me in verse 11. Revelation 19 in verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. By the way, that's us. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepresses of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had a on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then the following verses talks about the how the body of Armageddon turns out. Well, what happens is that Jesus comes with all these armies and we come with them. And guess what we do? Nothing. Because Jesus says a word and they're all killed. By the way, we'll see more of this. In the parable of the wheat and the tares. In the parable of the sheep and the goats. On Sunday night and next Wednesday. We'll talk more specifically about this event. And what occurs. But Jesus kills everyone. All gone. And then what Jesus does. Is he then establishes his earthly, visible, physical kingdom on the earth which we now call the Millennial Kingdom. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth. By the way, he's not going to leave it destroyed, but he's going to reset Garden of Eden conditions. And he's going to rule on this earth for a thousand years. And we get to be with him. What a wonderful time that will be. Now, what do I want you to get out of this? This is a lot of information. The information I want you to get out with is that starting off is that the tribulation begins... With no saved people. So the tribulation begins with no saved people. That means that everyone who accepted Jesus as their savior. Is going to be called away. Which brings the application to you dear friend. Are you sure? Are you 100% sure? That if the rapture was to happen. That you would go with him. 
You can know from the Bible. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. Everlasting life. God wants us to know. He doesn't want us to hope or guess or think. He wants us to know and know for sure. And so dear friend if you do not know for sure. If you say well I'm 95. I'm 75. I'm 55. I'm 25. If you're not 100% sure. Would you please allow us the privilege to take the Bible. And to show you from the Bible how you could be 100% sure. That your sins are forgiven and that you would be going to heaven. It would be our great privilege. But the tribulation begins with no saved people. That if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will probably not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior after the tribulation. There's not going to be any last minute. In fact, there's going to be a hardness of hearts. We saw that in the Bible where the people looked up to the mountains and said, fall on us, save us from the wrath of the Lamb. You see, now is the accepted time. Now is the time for you to get it settled. You do not want to play with this. You do not want to know. The Bible explains that life is but a vapor. You understand you could drive home tonight and be in a car accident. And you may not have any time to fix things between you and the Lord. Now is the time to get things settled. Now is the accepted hour. The second thing we need to know for our own understanding is that the whole purpose of the tribulation is not for the Gentile world or the non-Jewish world. The main purpose of the tribulation is to bring the Hebrew people back to himself so that he could bring himself to a people and the millennial kingdom, which we'll explore in length, is going to be the fulfillment of Of the promises God made to the Jewish people. We as Gentile believers just get to enjoy those benefits. Of what God promised to the Hebrew people. And so this is important to note. That God still has a plan for the Jewish people. Which also brings us to the other part that I want to do. That first of all. I want you to know for sure. That heaven is your home. I want you to know without a doubt. From the Bible. That your sins are forgiven. But the second thing is that if you know for sure that you are going to heaven, my question to you, dear friend, is your neighbor, is your friend, is your parents, is your brothers, your sisters, do they know for sure? You understand now is the time for them to get saved. And it could be too late. It could be too late. Now is the accepted time. The Bible describes the coming of Jesus like the coming of Noah. And that the coming of Noah, remember Noah had built an ark. And only those who were on the ark were spared. If the ark door, as soon as it was closed, it doesn't matter who came. All they could get in reply was too late. Too late. You understand We just have a limited amount of time that we are here on this earth. Now is the time to go reach out to our friends, our family. I would hate to go to heaven and find out that my mother didn't make it. I'd hate to go to heaven and find out one of my children did not make it. Dear friend, this is a serious time. This is an imagination. This is not a fictional book. This is not a Hollywood movie. This is fact. And this is going to happen. 
Now is the time for us to be busy about our Father's business work for the night is coming. Now is the time for us to go tell as many family and friends, neighbors, grocery store clerks, anyone we can that Jesus saves. That Jesus saves. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.